from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. This is the Real World Business Analysis Podcast. And now your host, Kara Lease. It's your girl, Carolise. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? I am doing quite okay. I'm doing fine. So today I have a short podcast for you because I have a date with my daughter. Uh, Today's Friday. We're doing mommy-daughter activity today. I told her that we could do whatever she wanted today. I'm going to leave work early. I'm going to spend the afternoon with her. And she was like, Mom, we could do whatever. Oh, gosh. I regretted the minute I said that word, whatever, (laughs) because my daughter is a strategist. (laughs) She is analytical, like her mama. She's like, did you say whatever, mama? Okay. (laughs) So I was like, all right, what do you want to do? And there comes the list. I want to go to the mall. I'm like, you're just seven years old. Like, what are you going to do at the mall? Oh, we can look at (laughs) Bilderberry. So there's a, a place in the mall where you can actually build your own teddy bears. And you get the stuffing and everything, and they put it together for you or whatever. She's been eyeing that place for the longest time. I've been trying to avoid going there. But she caught me. She caught me. We're going to go do Build-A-Bear. And I'm sure she's going to want to do some other things, maybe Chuck E. Cheese or something else. So, yeah, we have a whole afternoon plan that cleared my calendar. We're going to be having some fun, mommy-daughter time. And that's great. Um, I typically try to do it on Mondays. We had we used to call it mommy Mondays where we do we go eat ice cream or something like that but it's just been too busy (laughs) at the start of the week so I've switched it around to Friday and so yeah I can get some time in with her you know I'm being doing very well you know I had a a great night yesterday I went on date night yesterday it was wonderful had a great time and then today I'm doing mommy daughter day on Saturday, we have birthday parties we got to go to. So, I have a full schedule, y'all. I am busy. But I'm never too busy to have a podcast episode or to put out a video because I want to keep my audience and my community well-informed, right? And keep you guys learning in a fun way. My aim is to help you to learn things almost without realizing you're learning it. Make it easy. You know what I mean? It's so... Um, theoretical when you're in college or when you're doing these online courses or even when you go in person and it's so detached from reality let's make it real let's expose people to what you're really doing in the job so that they have a better understanding of what to anticipate when they get their own jobs that's been my philosophy so I give you details I train you but I don't think you realize that you're learning <laughs> because you're having so much fun with me, right? <laughs> so I enjoy doing this, and so I'm never too busy. I craft out time in my day to find some time to help the bigger audience. And my aim is to become the number one resource for business analysis on the internet, right? Between my podcast, my videos, my website, my courses, I want to be able to provide you with valuable things that you're not finding when you're going to these courses. You're not finding when you're trying to uh, start your career. So if you guys have ideas as to what are some of the things that you want, what are the things that you would find valuable 
I'll start doing more of that. One of the things that I've been hearing a lot is people want more case studies. They want more cases. I have some case studies on my website. Some of them have the answers that you can purchase, and some of them you have to do on your own. But I find people don't want to do any of them on their own. They're like, Harry, can I have the answer for this one and this one? Like, you're supposed to practice, people, because in the real world, nobody gives you the answers. You don't even know the problem. You get in there and they just give you a project. You have no idea what the real problem is. You have no idea uh, who to talk to. You, you don't, you're not given anything. So when you come out of college, you have a mindset that you're going to be given both the problem and details about the problem. And then you can just go up with a little answer. And that's how they train you. But I'm here to shock you out of that because in the real world, nothing is given to you. <laughs> right? Nothing. In the school world, in the certification world, they give you a problem, they give you parameters, they tell you, okay, this stakeholder wants to do this, but this one doesn't want to do that, or this is the data fields that you have, you know, this is, you're given a starting point, and you just put your analysis over the rest of it, and you think this is how it's going to be in the real world, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't even know what the problem is, <laughs> right? Sometimes you don't even have a clue what the real problem is. So you got to learn how to start from scratch. And so when I have these case studies out there, I have one on API integration. That's been the most popular one that people keep asking me for the answers for. I was like, oh man. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that case study. And I'm going to make the answers available somehow. It could be that I do a, you know, a YouTube live. Maybe I'll do a presentation. I don't know yet. But I'll do it in some kind of format that you can get access to the answer. Um, because people are struggling out there with the case studies. You're also struggling with the interview uh, case study. So they give you a problem to solve. And you need to go back and present the answers to them. And this is very common because they have to assess how you can take vague, incomplete information and make sense of it. That is the job. So as a part of your interview process, for some of you, when you've gone through all of the interviews, the last step is often a case study. And I've, I've seen them do the case studies in two different ways. Well, actually three different ways. First they will sometimes they give you the problem and it's usually very very vague very high level just just not a lot of information and then they say come present a solution to us and you're like what <laughs> right and they'll give you a very short time to come up with the answer that's one way the other way is been even more thinking on your feet they'll tell you that they have a case study for you to present on but they don't give you the topic until the day of the interview. So while you're in the interview, they give you the topic and they ask you right there in front of them how you would approach this. So you don't even have time to think about it too much because it's right there. And But for those interviews, they tend to give you something that is so common that you shouldn't have to think too deep. Once you understand the business analysis, paradigm the process the fundamentals what we what we should be doing as a PA you should get through that kind of question very easily so it's an easier question 
because they don't give you enough time to think about it, but they want to see how you respond on your feet. Um, the third way I've seen is they give you like some of the answers and you have to figure out if this is the best approach or not. A lot of creativity has been put in, into coming up with these case studies in, for the interview because they want to really make sure they're hiring the right person. And they're not trying to say that you are knowledgeable in that particular industry or in that particular company's process. That's not what they're testing. They're testing to see if you have the right approach, if you know how to navigate these uncertainties, and if you understand the concepts of a business analyst and the role the business analyst plays. That's what they're testing for, right? So you you have to practice these case studies, right? So stop sending me messages and telling me that you want the answer. Think about the answer. You should be happy you have the problem. Because most times they don't even give you the problem. So here's a problem. Go try to solve it. And send me the answer that you came up with and I'll tell you if this makes sense. You know, you can always book a consult and we can walk through together so we can make sure you have the right thinking. But people just want you to give them everything. Give me the problem. Give me the answer. Let me just copy it. You know what I mean? Like, dude. <laughs> The copy and paste engineers. That's what I used to call them when I was in college. So when I went to college, we did informatics engineering, right? So that's what was my major. And I was writing code and building software and stuff like that. And so we used to have this guy, Channeli. Channeli was just the smartest guy I ever encountered. He was from Cambodia. Channeli went through our entire college years he had a notebook you know those flimsy little notebooks that you could get at the dollar tree flimsy little notebook Channeli cut the notebook in half so one book became two and for the entire years that we were in college that's the book Channeli had he didn't write notes for nothing i think the only thing he did with the book was doodle <laughs> he would doodle and maybe he'd write a date or two if we had to do an exam a certain date we would be in a, an exam that would be five hours long because when I went to school, we weren't given anything. This is why I'm a good analyst because I was well-trained. When I went to school, they didn't give you like answers. They would give you one differential equation and you'd spend five hours solving it. The questions were so good. You had to solve every single piece of that differential equation. And you'd be, when I was handing in my paper, sometimes I had 10 sheets. And it was just one question for five hours. You're in an exam for five hours with one question. <laughs> and it's open book. <laughs> so it was just that good. So Channeli, Channeli, oh my God. Channeli would come to the exam and within maybe like 30 to 45 minutes, Channeli was done. Channeli walk up, hand in his paper. And left the rest of us in there for the next four hours. <laughs> oh, we come up, we'll be like, China, China, what did you do? China, what's this the answer? China. And China would say, yep, 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 nope, nope, yep, yep, yep. And he was just so good, so smart, so fast. And he got, he got it right. He got it right. So the teachers were just used to China. So as soon as China comes in and just does his thing and leaves, they're like, okay, yeah, there goes China. So we would go to China and ask him to help us solve some of these problems. Because I remember I was doing, and I'm going to get nerdy with y'all now. I was doing Laplace transforms. It's a part of um, my mathematics course. So we're doing some Laplace transforms. And it was pretty complicated, right? So we'd go to China and say, China, 
we need our help with doing these this equations and stuff. And China would just answer it. So what the guys were doing <laughs> was whenever we got homework, the guys would just go to China and China was doing everybody's homework and they would pay him. <laughs> China would do everybody's homework. And then, but you know, China's writing was, at the time we, we didn't type homework, okay? We were doing handwritten things for y'all millennials. We were handwriting, okay? So China's handwriting, because he's from Cambodia, his handwriting was kind of like scribbles, right? So <laughs> they would take his work and rewrite it in their own handwriting and hand it in. So that's where we got the term copy and paste engineers because when we all graduated, I was looking at some of the guys, I was like, y'all, y'all didn't pass that exam. <laughs> I was like, y'all didn't pass the exam. Y'all are copy paste engineers. You're gonna get an engineering degree and you're a copy paste. <laughs> China, show me how to do this because I didn't understand. And once he showed it to me one time, I'm good. And I ended up becoming very good at it. And I, and I, I wouldn't get the highest grade because China got the highest grade in all of our classes. But I would come, you know, somewhere in the middle. And that was okay with me. You know what I mean? I did enough to pass, right? And there was one time I got as high as China. Um, and that's when we were doing um, the differentials. We're doing differentials, differential equations. So it was, it was fun, right? But these copy paste engineers, they look good on paper, but when you put them in the field, they try to do the same. <laughs> they try to copy paste. <laughs> but you know what? Some of these people really become successful, you know, they become the ones in managerial positions. And I have people that I've worked with, I was like, oh my God, how did you get here? Like, <laughs> you're, just, you're just clueless, dude. Dude, you're clueless. I had one guy one time try to pawn all of his work to me. Like, we would go into the meeting. We were doing, doing Scrum at the time. And he'd be like, Carolise, you know, I just, I can't manage the Jira. I don't know. I can't handle the Jira right now because, um, you know, I've been working with spreadsheets for a while. Like, how are you a manager? How are you a product manager? And you don't know how to handle the Jira? Like, really? <laughs> This is how he would try to get me to do the sprint planning, right? We had a scrum master, but the scrum master and the product manager role was kind of intertwined. And so they had him working as that. But really, it was me doing it. He's like, oh, can we just, just do the Jira part? So <laughs> I would go on there and I'll be looking at the backlog and I'll be pulling things into the sprint. And then I'll be confirming the estimates. It's like, okay, so I'm actually doing your job. Okay. And then when the sprint wasn't, so I kind of backed off at some point and then the sprint was going awry and I was like, the sprint needs to be cleaned up. You know, I probably need to look at it. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. When tomorrow came, he'd say, you know, we had a meeting yesterday about some other thing and I can't make the meeting. So just, just clean it up and let me know. <laughs> These are the copy paste engineers. That's what they do when they actually don't know anything. So they glide through life. They copy to get their degrees. They lie to get into the interviews. They get the job. They're in there pawning off their job to other employees. And this is how they do their life. <laughs>
So these people exist and you'll probably encounter some of them, but don't be one of them, right? Even if you don't like your job, and the topic of this today is really about not liking your job. Even if you don't like your job, really don't try to, um, you get found out when you do these kind of copy paste things. So yeah, so going back to the topic of the video, it's very difficult to think about your life without thinking about all the hours that you've spent working on different things. I can remember some of my first jobs that I did coming out of college and I don't I don't really remember the details of some of them. It's like it's a blur. And so you realize what you're doing today, all the stresses you're going through, all the work related things that's that's taking over your life, a few years from now you won't remember any of it. So it's really not that important. It's important in the moment. It's not important in the, in the scheme of things. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to think back about the projects that you worked on and how wonderful they were. You're going to think about your kids. You're going to think about your memories with your family. You're going to think about your accomplishments that were real, right? Not, not uh, related to your job. So the real valuable things in life are not related to your job, but yet still you spend most of your hours in every day working. It's a very, very strange setup that we have in this world. It's like, why do we spend so much time working when it's not the most important thing to us? <laughs> right? I learned that when I had my daughter. After I had my daughter, I stayed home with her for like nine months until she was nine months before I went back to work. And it was painful to go back to work. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave my baby. I didn't want to have to put her in daycare. I was like, why am I at this job when I don't want to be here? Like, I didn't love the job. I, as much as I'm a good business analyst, I don't want to do it. I wanted to go back and take care of my family. That was my main interest at the time. And I realized what a sacrifice it is for people to really leave the things that they love to go to some place to do something. And just for money, it's weird. I don't think this is how God intended us to live our lives, to spend endless amount of hours in something that most of us don't really love. When I do my consults and we talk about people wanting to transition to business analysts, they'll tell me that they're in a different field, they're trying to move into business analysts, they'll tell me that they, um, you know, were doing something similar in their own countries and now they're moved to the US or the UK and this is where they're trying to start over and this would be a good career for them. But most of the time they tell you that they're trying to get into business analysis because it's a higher paying job that is a softer landing into tech that they can do. Nobody ever says, I want to get into the business analyst field because I love the job of being a business analyst. I like working with stakeholders. I like the documentation I'll be asked to produce. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody actually wants to do this thing. <laughs> and it's just every job. It's not just business analysts. It's like people typically don't like their jobs. So why are y'all doing it? Because you get paid. The only reason to do it is because you get paid. It's funny. Um, sometimes people tell me how much they love their jobs, yet they don't want to talk about their jobs ever, right? I've been in situations where I've been with people who um, 
they have any choice. They could all of the salaries are the same, right? Imagine a world where the doctor gets paid the same as the taxi driver. Imagine that world. So in those environments or those societies, communist societies, everybody gets paid the same. So it doesn't even matter what you do. So in that case, people choose to do the thing they actually love to do because the money is no consequence. And I've seen people who actually love their job. I've seen people teaching and they love teaching and they love imparting knowledge. And I've seen people doing marketing and they love doing marketing. And that's been an experience I never had anywhere else where it's like people actually like what they do. That's weird. But here, maybe because I'm in, you know, capitalist central, the U.S. is the biggest capitalist country, I think. People just do what they do for money. <laughs> and many people don't like what they do. They don't like it. And so when you don't like something and you spend so much hours doing it, it must be painful. It must be very painful. I like what I do. I put a lot of heart and effort and I bring my entire self to it and I, I want it to be successful and I take on the vision of, of like the CEO that they're trying to accomplish and I try to execute on that and I, I feel good doing it. I like when I have successes that way. But it's not a burden to me because I like it. If you're doing something and you hate it, you, you don't hate it enough to not want to go. You still go. But if anything changes, you're out because you don't really want to be there right for me if i win the lottery i am for 100 percent quitting my job and i'm going to become a travel blogger <laughs> as much as i love my job if i win the lottery and i don't have to worry about money no more i am going to be a travel blogger because i love to travel i want to go to these hidden places and then i want to bring it to the world and show you all of the pretty places i've been to and the uh, off the beaten track places that's my that's what I would do if I didn't have to worry about money I, I don't worry about money but it's like if you didn't have to think about how to pay your bills do something that actually gives you that kind of freedom I would be a travel blogger I swear <laughs> but it would also be a disservice to the world because I have a unique skill of making complicated things simple I am very good at explaining things in an easier way and so it's not fair to rob the world of the talent that I have of simplifying complicated things and doing something that doesn't tap into that skill, right? So I also think to myself, how can I help the world? Because we can't just come here, live, eat, die. <laughs> right? We come here, we live, we eat, some of us get married, have a couple of kids, and then we die. <laughs> no. I want to leave something of my talent for the next generation, right? So I want to, if I know that I have skills in these things, how can I expose that skill to others? And then they take that, take from it what they can, and then they add to it and expose it to others and others and others. Especially in the black community, because it's Black History Month, this is February. Um, we, when I reflect on us as a culture, I think about some of the ways that we have really impacted the world, but there's so much more that we can do. There's a lot more for us to do as a culture. We need more fathers in our homes, for example, right? We need more role models, for example. We need people that would pass on the knowledge, for example, and pass on the skills, right?
lately I've been seeing a lot more, I guess with the advent of TikTok and some of these other social media, people are exposing more, more of their skills and they're exposing more of their advice. So I see a lot of successful black entrepreneurs out there giving advice as to how to become entrepreneurs. Some of the music moguls are out there explaining how the music industry actually works and how do you get started. So I see more of sharing knowledge happening because of social media, which is great. There is still a lot of toxic information out there that we have to protect ourselves against. But there's a lot of good also from the knowledge that's being shared. So if we can help to inform the next generation so they don't have to start from scratch, I think that would be perfect. That would be great. So we have to do that. So even when I win the lottery and become a travel blogger, <laughs> I will still have to find a way to expose my superhuman power of being able to explain things clearly. It's a very strange power, but I'm going to milk it. I'm going to push it out there and you're going to benefit from it, right? So yeah, so going back to the topic of, you know, do you really like your job? You know, what happens if you don't like your job? If you don't like your job, it's sad because now you have to do it, something you don't like. Uh, what parts of it don't you like? Think about it, really. What is the thing about this that you don't like? Think about it. And if you can find a way to not be involved in the things that you really don't like, then you could find another career that might be more fulfilling for you. Like, for example, people tell me, I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to people. So when I have to do stakeholder interviews, I freeze because I don't want to talk to people that much. I just like to do tasks. I like to manage my own tasks. And that's it. Well, maybe BA is not for you. Maybe you should be in accounting. You don't have to talk to people that much. Or going to finance. You know, maybe that could be a better fit. Um, so things like that. Some people tell you, I don't want to be a manager because I don't want to manage people. And that's me. I don't really like managing people. I don't want to deal with your vacation time. I don't want to deal with a monthly or quarterly evaluations. I just, I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't really want to do it. But I will. And I have. And as you become an entrepreneur as well, you have to hire people. So I've had to hire people and I've just lived through it, right? I'm not the best at it. It's not my strong suit. But I hire people and I try to make the best hire. And I try to work with them and hopefully it will work out. So it's you have to do some things that you're a little bit uncomfortable with to grow, right? So think about what don't you like about it. And if you're fulfilling, if you're being fulfilled in other things, like for example, today I'm going to a mother-daughter day with my daughter. I pack in a lot of things in my life to balance it out, right? So I know people who spend a lot of time partying. They want to go to clubs and this and that. There's a lot of things. I'm not into that. I do the things that I really enjoy, not the things that other people pressure me to do. Right? So when you're going on your clubs and stuff, don't be inviting me because I'm not coming. I'm going to the cabins, okay? I'm going on my beach trip, okay? I'm going on my short vacations, wherever. That is what I'm doing right now. I'm not, you want to go to the club and shake your booty? That's great. Don't invite Carolise. I'm not coming. <laughs> At the risk of sounding like a boring person, I'll take that. But I'm not coming, okay? I have other things I want to do with my time. So balance your life. If you like going to the club, fine, go. Balance out your life. 
make sure you have all of the different areas of your life um, active, right? Not dormant. So that you don't feel the pressure of hating your job and also hating your real life. You know, it's just, it's sad. And there's so much depression out there. We want to really encourage people to be more fulfilled. Because especially after COVID, people are home for so long, just isolated. People have really become more depressed the last two years, three years now. So we really have to support each other and check on friends. And people can be smiling in your face and they're depressed as hell. So you have to be that beacon of sunshine for someone get involved in your community try to keep up with your friends you know do things that will help people especially knowing that many people hate their jobs whatever their job is most people hate it and if that's all they're doing going to work and coming home and there's no social life and especially if you work from home where there's even less social interaction you can start really hating your job even more because you're home by yourself doing it all the time so you know this is just a little chit chat on people not liking what they do and I have no solution for you <laughs> except to think about what you don't like and try to remove those pieces out of it. But it would be much better if you found something to do that you actually like doing outside of just the money, but you like it. That way your life can be a little bit more better. All right, more happier. Well, this is Friday. Um, it's the weekend. Most of us have the weekends off. We're going to be doing fun things. I know I will. Hopefully you will. And I will talk to you guys on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye. So did you enjoy your mommy-daughter day today, Chanel? Yep. Sorry. <laughs> it was fun. And I got my ears pierced for the first time. It was scary, but I did it. I played with some of my new friends and, um... What part did you like the most? Ears pierced. <laughs> Are you very excited? You can show your friends that you got your ears pierced? I can't wait till Monday, so yes. <laughs> Alright. So, Chanel, what do you want to tell my audience? That I loved my mom's... Bobby. <laughs> Mommy, daughter day. And also, my dog named Jackson, he's a boy, and he didn't get to, get to be with us because he was a boy, and dogs aren't allowed on the mall, I think. Okay, so the dog couldn't come with us on Mommy Daughter Day, right? Mm-hmm, because he's a boy. We're and did he, didn't he just have his birthday yesterday? It was two days ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, you forgot our dog's birthday? I'm sorry, there's so much stuff going on. But what do you want to tell my audience? Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Yay! All I right. have blue March earrings. March gemstone earrings. March gemstone earrings, and it's blue. Yay. I don't know. I think it's green or blue. I don't know. Yeah, get, mom, is it green or blue? Blue. It's blue. My second favorite color. First favorite color is yellow, but there's no yellow, so I just picked blue. Thank you, Chanel. Don't they sound cute? You do. Say thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Real World Business Analysis Podcast with Carolise. Remember to check out our latest books. 
courses, templates, and other resources at caralise.com. That's K-A-R-A-L-E-I-S-E.com. Take the fit test on our website to find out if you're a fit for business analysis and get the results right away. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Join our Facebook group called Real World Business Analysis and IT. We're also on Instagram and LinkedIn at Caralise. Goodbye for now. And remember, you are a business analyst rock star. So keep it real. Peace.